All right, Chris Hall here with you on the Dogs on Demand on Facebook and Instagram. And welcome to our program today, brought to you by Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs. And it's our great pleasure to have uh, on our program today, Bryce Kuhn. Bryce uh, works with 247 Sports, uh, the host of the Crowded uh, Booth podcast. Check it out. It's a great podcast. And he does all kind of other stuff as well. I don't know when the uh, young man sleeps, but Hey, uh, you know, you might as well keep going. And uh, Bryce, it's good to have you on our program today to talk a little bit about some football. How are you doing these days? Doing very well. It's been a while since we've uh, we've had the chance to get on here and talk. And uh, I'm, I'm excited because I tell people there's not a better time of the year. Not a better time of the year, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And uh, you, you work kind of uh, with uh, Georgia Tech with 247 Sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I think, uh, did I see your color analyst for the Mercer Bears? Is that right? Yes. Or? Yes. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, got a, got a nice little team down there in Macon. And um, they've really started to build something at the FCS level that's to be proud of. I mean, I know you, Georgia played Sanford uh, the other day. And so uh, we'll get a look at Sanford at the end of the season. But Mercer coming off a uh, uh, a chance to win the title last year came up short, but very much in the mix to win the SoCon championship this year. Yeah. Our good, our good friend, Rick Caldwell, he's doing play, uh, still doing the play by play, right? He is. He sure is. Yeah. The the opportunity to get to know Rick. He's a great guy. Well, let's talk a little bit about Georgia. Speaking of Samford, uh, you know, I was, uh, of course, Georgia now three and O on the season, big win Mm -hmm. over uh, Oregon, Samford and South Carolina. And I was able to see the uh, Sanford game in the uh, Sanford Stadium, uh, and and I got to thinking about those three games. Actually, the team that gave Georgia the best game was the Sanford Bulldogs. Uh, mm-hmm. Oregon, just you know, I don't know what in the world was going on on that particular day, but boy, they didn't show up. Yeah. And South Carolina just way in over their head against Georgia. It, it's obvious the. Uh, disparity between the talent uh, between those uh, two programs, but Sanford actually gave Georgia a better game than than the uh, other two teams. As you kind of uh, you know stand back and as you look at this Georgia squad, number one in the country, defense is not uh, missing uh, much uh, statistically or in play or anything else from uh, last year. What do you think about this this Georgia team? Are you as high on the Bulldogs as as most of us are already? Yeah, I, I am. I, I am. I think that this is a team right now. It's best put that uh, I've talked with a lot of people who've covered the team, and and it's kind of a name name a number on the offense. Like how many do you want to score? Yeah. Uh, and it's just I don't think. And uh, this is for you know. I'm going to say this, Chris. I'll say the older Georgia crowd, and it's just because I'm so young. But my dad brought this up. He goes, I don't think we've seen a Georgia team sling it around like this since Eric Zier played quarterback. I mean, truthfully, this is a Georgia offense that's just dynamic in so many different ways. Um, so I think when you when you take that and then you look at what they already have defensively, uh, this is a team that right now uh, I don't think that they have a true weakness um, other than themselves, and you go back to the Sanford game, they kind of had some self-inflicted mistakes that you that uh, Kirby Smart pointed out post game in that press conference. Even the players said, "Hey, we didn't play up to the level that we needed to." When you don't play up to the level you need to, and you still shut out a team, yeah. that's, that's that's pretty good. So, you know, I, I am high on this Georgia team. I think right now uh, it's still very very early, heading into Week Four, but this is a program uh, that has reached the level, in my opinion, of no longer. Um, 
needing to rebuild, reload. And we're starting to see the fruits of that here in year four, uh, or I should say in this year and the year after the national championship victory, because uh, man, they just, uh, they go crush dreams. South Carolina had a lot of them coming into that football game. And I was really, really impressed with the way they just handled business. You've been a Georgia fan for a long time. You know, Georgia typically plays down to the level of their opponents. Yeah, That's one of the biggest things under Kirby Smart that I think has maybe gone unnoticed uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon now. But if you're a Georgia fan prior to that, we had some great coaches and everything. But to see um, just his, the ability to maintain the standard, no matter who you're playing, uh, has been very impressive over the course of Kirby Smart's tenure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Paul Feinbaum, it, you know, we we love to listen to his analysis on things. He he said something kind of interesting. He said, Georgia is the new Alabama. And he says, right now, according to Paul Feinbaum, Georgia right now looks like, now he doesn't say it is, but he says it looks like the perfect team, that there's no mm-hmm. deficiencies in this team uh, whatsoever. Uh, you keep kind of waiting for Georgia to have maybe one of those games where everything doesn't exactly click right. You know, you hope it doesn't come against somebody like Tennessee or somebody like that that may give, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the opposing team uh, a vision of maybe being able to beat the Bulldogs. But uh, right now, I, you know, I have to agree with Feinbaum. Uh, and, and I, you know, as I, I look at this team and, and as I've studied uh, Kirby Smart and just observed him as a coach, I, I just think every Monday morning uh, during the season, Kirby Smart says, okay, this is the next team coming up next. And, and it doesn't matter if they're playing Kent state or South Carolina or Oregon or whatever, man, they go right at it as if they're mm-hmm. going to be playing in a, in a, you know, a, a, a situation where they're facing one of the better teams in the country. For me, that relentless pursuit of excellence, mm-hmm. I, I think that has been installed in this team. I think it's, it's amazing, uh, really. And it's going to sustain Georgia, uh, through the season. So uh, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with Feinbaum that right now this team has no deficiencies that we can see, that we can detect? Yeah, and I think, I mean, part of it is the schedule they've played. I mean, Sanford's not going to uh, identify a lot of those. Uh, South Carolina didn't identify really any of that. Um, and then you talked about Oregon in week one. I mean, Oregon, after that, they look like a completely different team. So I think it's a testament to really how well run Uh, just from top to bottom, uh, Georgia is, and that pursuit of excellence. Uh, I do believe that. I mean, I think this is a clear cut, the number one team in the country. But you know as well as I do, Chris, it's week four. Uh, Last year, Alabama nearly stumbled on the road at Florida, and they were still a team that played for a national title. So you can have faults and still win a national title um, and and at least go there. Uh, But I think the difference, and I, I know we'll probably get into this, the difference for me this year is the confidence and the comfortability of Stetson Bennett. If this team does get in a situation where they need to be bailed out, uh, I think that he's now has the comfortability and the confidence to do something like that, where in years prior, maybe not. Um, and so I think that's going to be something, whether it's at home against Tennessee, maybe on the road in November at Kentucky, the first time they really face some true adversity, we're going to learn a lot more. And Chris, if they do what they continue to do into the first three games when they face adversity, or if they don't face it at all, that just speaks testaments to really how well-prepared this team is. Yeah, and uh, Georgia this coming Saturday take on Kent State. You know, it's one of those money games mm-hmm. for a program coming in. And uh, But you got to watch that. Georgia Southern at Nebraska, you know, Appalachian State at Texas A&M. And, uh, the, you know, you got to be careful. But 
Georgia right now, 42 point favorite or anybody who will give odds. There are some people saying, ah, we're not going to give any odds <laughs> for this. And uh, of course, Kent state, you know, it's a decent program. I think they're one in three on the year and uh, they played, you know, some uh, pretty stiff competition already trying to get money and resources uh, for their football program. It's kind of interesting. Uh, this, these teams have, have played each other one time. And I, I went back and looked at that one time. It was night in 1998, uh, Georgia beat Kent state 56 to three in Athens. And on the third play of the game, now listen to these, these names, Quincy Carter connected with champ Bailey on mm. a 40 yard touchdown strike on the third play of the game. Champ Bailey started on offense, defense, and special teams that day for the, for the University of Georgia. And uh, Quincy Carter had quite a day. And Kirby Smart, who started in the defensive backfield on that day, had a couple of tackles and one pass breakup. And Matt Stinchcomb, who's going to be uh, the color analyst uh, for the game uh, coming up on the SEC Network, uh, he led the way as uh, Georgia had 289 yards rushing and 566 yards of total offense I, in 1998, uh, you know, 56 to three, that may be, you know, the relevant score for this Saturday. So yeah. uh, what about that flashback? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's look, I mean, uh, you throw names out like Quincy Carter, obviously you guys have a great relationship with champ Bailey. Uh, man, I, do we forget how really good he was sometimes? Yes. I mean, oh, I think amazing. we really do in this new age of Georgia fans. They need to be educated on that. Uh, but man, you throw all those names, Matt Stinchcomb, you know, I guess it, they'll have a segment or two, Chris, where he gets to reminisce. Maybe they'll throw some old tape up yeah. of, uh, of that game, but no, that's, uh, you know, I think, I think that's right in line. I mean, look, I'm not a betting man, but, uh, 42 and a half points. That's, that's a lot. That's a big yeah. spread, but there's a team that shows they can cover. I think that's definitely Georgia. All right. Uh, you, you mentioned Stetson Bennett earlier. Uh, you know, here we go. Uh, Stetson, I think when uh, the, the season started, he was rated like the 10th best quarterback in the SEC. And I saw one uh, list where he was like 40th something in all of major uh, college football uh, starting quarterbacks. Uh, you know, the the more people doubt this guy, the more he delivers. He is truly, truly the mailman. He is living up uh, to his, um, you know, to, to, uh, his nickname. And now he's right there. He's in the top mm -hmm. three or four. When you talk about the potential Heisman trophy winners, I mean, how can you doubt, doubt this guy? I, I it just, he just keeps doing what he needs to do. Uh, he he's as cool as he can be. I don't, I can't remember another player having, you know, just coming from where he came from as a walk on and all of the, you know, the story. It truly is an amazing story, isn't it? For Stetson it, Bennett. It really is. And I think after uh, the national championship game, it kind of felt like, well, and I, even I had this question, what else can he really do? I mean, like what else is there to accomplish? And I think it's almost a little bit of a, of a want to not prove it to everyone else, because but more of prove it to himself yeah. that he can go out there and not just be a national championship winning quarterback, but be a guy that, I mean, Chris, let's be honest, he's in the Heisman conversation here very early on in the season. Now, we have a long way to go, but I think it's more of a question where now people are looking around like, well, why not? You know, why not him? Like, we, there's not really many more things you can knock him on um, in his ability to play the game, his ability to understand year two under Todd Munkin's offense, really, for him. So I've just really been impressed with his poise, uh, his moxie, his confidence. Uh, you have to have that as an offense. And I think when you have a guy – First off, we know, and, and you go back, I remember 
I think it was SEC media days or the national championship media day when Nolan Smith said like, that's the guy. And when a guy like Nolan Smith, who's well-respected amongst the media, well-respected amongst his peers, when you get that vote of confidence, uh, it's huge. And I think the players respect his journey. Like it's really easy for a five-star quarterback to come in and look, Georgia's got a ton of talent in that room right behind him. And Carson Beck looked really, really good uh, on Saturday against South Carolina. Uh, but I think that in this situation, it's more of you respect the work that he's put in to the point where you, you just trust him with everything. Yeah. And I really truthfully and look, Georgia's had some great quarterbacks over the last decade and a half. But I don't know if we've seen a situation where the amount of confidence coming from a guy is as large as it is with Stetson. And it's not a, uh, you know, there's a fine line between being, uh, you know, boastful and prideful and having the confidence and swagger that he does. And it's not something that, like that, but it's more of just like, it's kind of like a constant. I told you so, like I, I told you I could do this and you have to have that mentality as a quarterback. You have to think you're the best quarterback in the room and it can rub people the wrong way. But I think he has earned the respect of not only finally the fans. It took a while. It took yeah. a while for a lot of the fans to really buy into the idea that a walk on Juco quarterback could do this. Um, but man, I've just really been impressed with him. And I think it's time for us to say, well, why not Stetson? The only thing holding him back right now is he's not really playing in the fourth quarter, Chris. Yeah. So his numbers he's terrible are not going to the fourth quarter. He's he terrible. hasn't completed a pass yet in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so that's the only thing holding him back. But I'm really <laughs> impressed. Uh, I think that it unlocks something different in what Georgia can do with having a guy like that at quarterback. And Todd Monken, I mean, Ooh. you know, is is the guy's on fire. And of course, now he's been mentioning and uh, being mentioned as a possible candidate, maybe for Arizona State and. I think his name's been thrown in there for Nebraska, the uh, coaching vacancies there. And uh, everybody in Dog Nation are sa is saying, no, leave our guy alone. Uh, just, you know, fantastic. Uh, but Georgia now the number one team in the country, followed by Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, and Arkansas. Tennessee comes in at a number 11. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, number 16. Florida. At number 20, you know, you, 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 the usual suspects at the top of the uh, rankings, uh, Georgia, mm -hmm. Alabama, Ohio state, uh, that seems to be the three uh, teams that, that you got to win your games, obviously, but people are saying, well, those are going to be three teams in the college football playoffs. Who do you think on the outside? Well, what, what do you think? Do you Michigan number four in the AP Clemson there at number five, Oklahoma, going to be interesting to see um you know and unless one mm -hmm. of those top three falters it's going to be interesting to see who that fourth team might be uh, who do what is your gut saying uh, to you what do you think yeah i think well having watched clemson in person once already this year uh that's a team where within their conference and the acc is a weaker conference we know that uh, their defense is going to carry them to the championship game potentially but the offense has still has a ton of question marks. Can they win a game when forced to? I don't. I don't think that they uh, match up well with anyone in that top three. Michigan, look, if they figure out that quarterback situation, they've got a lot of promise uh, to what they can do. But obviously, you know, they're on a collision course with Ohio State, where they could de facto knock each other out in that situation. You know, Oklahoma's another one. I don't know if they've really been tested yet. Uh, USC is another option where they. I, I saw a quote. It said their offense is college ball playoff caliber. Their defense is like Las Vegas bowl in the caliber. <laughs> like they don't, they, they, they're not really going to be tested. Well, it is the Pac-12. It, it is so. the Pac-12. So, you know, 
I'm really excited, and I think it's November 12th, November 19th. I don't have Georgia's schedule right in front of me. But Kentucky is going to be a riser, where to the point that could almost be close to a top-five matchup if Kentucky stays undefeated the rest of the way. Um, I really like that one. Arkansas is another team that I think is sneaky good. They've got a tough road game in College Station. Uh, But, you know, the top three are there, and I think we're starting to see the, you know, the playoff expansion and all these things. I think you're starting to see the gap widen between right. three and four to where you could say between four and ten. If you put those teams in a neutral field, I don't really know I could tell you who would win that football game. Uh, you know, I like where Michigan – I think Michigan's really a safe bet to uh, continue the trend that they have. Another team I will want you to keep an eye on, they're sitting at number 14, but that's Penn State. They they beat a Auburn team that's not very good, but we still need to give them props for Going into a hostile environment, you know as well as I do, that's a tough place to play no matter how good Auburn is. Um, I think that that's going to be a situation where Penn State, they've got dates with Michigan, uh, Ohio State coming up. They win those games and, you know, you make it to a Big Ten championship. They could have a season like Michigan did last year where they kind of surprised the people, won the Big Ten, and got in the playoff. Now, we know how it turned out, uh, and I think it would be a similar result. But uh, I think Penn State's a team to keep an eye on as well. You know, you mentioned the uh, playoffs and uh, the 12-team expansion. I didn't like that. I I think yeah. top eight, maybe 12 kind of dilutes things. Uh, you know, when Georgia played Oregon, Oregon was a uh, what number 10 or 11 uh, team in the country. Mm-hmm. Georgia was number two. And you saw the great disparity between those, but it's all about the money. It, it it's, it's about generating money. And also, you know, and, and a Kerb Hertz, a hip, a Herb straight made a, a good point. You know, after the conference championship games, you have such a lull in college football. Uh, until the, the early bowls start, you know, and mm-hmm. there's just all of a sudden, you know, the conference games are over and boom, it, it's just college football goes quiet for a while until you uh, get into the uh, upper tier of the uh, bowl games and that, that kind of thing. And in having that playoff system, that's going to keep, keep uh, college football relevant and on the calendar, I guess, after the conference games. And, that, you know, I re- never really thought about that point, but that's a pretty good point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, at first I felt a lot like you did about it. I don't love it. I think it waters down. And truthfully, I think it also hurts the regular season. And I'm I'm a big regular season person. I think it waters down some competition in the regular season. Uh, most notably, go back to week two, Alabama, Texas. Maybe that game doesn't mean as much um, if you have 12 playoff teams because both teams can still make the playoff. Um, but like you said, this is this is a money grab. It's a chance for ESPN to expand their slate. And like you said, it really is a chance for them to extend the window of the college football season. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation and, you know, the Super Bowl is usually the first weekend in February. How far out are we going to see, you know, the the national championship be played? Is that going to be, you know, right up until that's going to cut into NFL playoffs, which the NFL won't like. So it's, it's really interesting to me to watch this dynamic. But I think what college football and the powers that be and not the NCAA. I don't think they're in control of a lot of things that go on. (laughs) But I think that the powers that be recognize ratings, this is the premier sport in America right now. People, and especially with where we're from here in Georgia, but the Southeast, but it really is. I mean, I love baseball. A lot of people like basketball, things like that, but this is it. And if you extend the window, dollar signs come to their end of their eyes. And so it's just, it's an opportunity for that. Um, and I get that. That's the way the sport's trending. I'll tell you this, though. No matter what happens, Chris, I'll still watch it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I might sit here and say I, I'm still going to put the TV on and watch, you know, number nine Oklahoma State play number five Clemson in a, you know, the the Gator Bowl and it's a playoff game. I'll watch it. It won't matter. 
Yeah, it, it won't matter. I'm right there with you, my friend. <laughs> uh, some of the uh, notable games coming up this uh, weekend, you got Missouri coming into Auburn. Auburn, uh, that program, uh, Brian Harson. I just, you know, it, it. he really needs to win some games at uh, yeah. at Auburn. Uh, that Auburn just did not play very well at, uh, you know, playing against uh, Penn State. And an interesting game, 3.30, the CBS game on uh, Saturday, Florida traveling to Tennessee. Now, uh, you know, Florida wants uh, both of these teams want to challenge Georgia. You got some talent on both of these teams. Tennessee, a lot of people high on Tennessee, had a big win against Pittsburgh. Uh, that should be an interesting game. There's always is when Florida mm-hmm. plays Tennessee. You've always, you've always got a, a interesting game. Uh, do you see the Gators going into um, uh, up to Tennessee, Nayland Stadium, and getting a win? Or you think Tennessee is going to hold serve? You know, I think that in order to go on the road in a hostile environment, I've been inside Neyland Stadium. It is one of the tougher places to play. When when Tennessee is good, uh, that is a top 10, top five environment in college football, 100,000 plus people. Um, you know, week one, Florida, yes. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, Chris, yeah, I think they got a shot. Uh, Anthony Richardson is an extremely talented young man at the quarterback position. This would be a stretch for him to go on the road and have to play a near-perfect game against a Tennessee team that you know as well as I do. We watched him play Georgia last year. Uh, that's a Tennessee squad that is going to go quickly on offense, and you're going to have to match them score for score. And I think they've gotten better on defense as well. Um, I, I think Tennessee you know, is, is going to defend home turf in this one. I think Florida's getting close. I like their hire. Uh, I know a lot of your a lot of the fans on this show don't want to hear it, but I think Billy Napier was a solid hire uh for Florida. And I and I do think that um, you know, they're gonna get there. Um they've they're not as talented. Uh and I think Josh Heupel's done a really good job of just kind of revolutionizing Tennessee football uh back to where they are. And you know that win a win for Tennessee will knock them into the top ten. And Chris, I don't know about you, but the fan Tennessee fans, man, they, they're gonna get riled up. If they win that game Georgia fans, you better get ready because there's going to be a lot of talk heading to that game in Athens. And unfortunately, it will be in Athens. You know, fortunately, <laughs> Georgia, yes, Georgia will take on <laughs> Tennessee. Another interesting game. It'll be the ESPN game at seven o'clock Saturday night. You got Arkansas uh, traveling to Texas A&M. Texas A&M bouncing back after just that. How did that happen? Loss against Appalachian yeah. State, and then Appalachian State and Troy have that game Saturday. And I'm sitting here thinking. Seriously, you know, how do you figure this out? But uh, you, you've got Arkansas traveling to Texas A&M. Arkansas is a tough squad. Uh, do you see Arkansas going in and knocking off Texas A&M? I kind of lean toward the Hogs in this game. What do you think? I think Sam Pittman was one of the best hires uh, for Arkansas. Obviously, a former Georgia guy. I really like Arkansas in this game because Arkansas is one of the more, you know, one of the teams that still kind of plays that smash mouth we are going to just physically dominate you for 60 minutes type of football game. You know, Texas A&M's got some injuries. Uh, I don't think that they are very uh, creative offensively due to some limitations at quarterback. Uh, I see Arkansas going on the road. And look, it's a tough environment. Kyle Field's a very, very hard environment. And if you catch a theme, what we're saying, there's a lot of hard places to play in the yeah. SEC. It's, it's it's a lot of it's, – it's a gauntlet each week. So – I like Arkansas in this game, and you know that's going to push further hype for Arkansas going into when they play Alabama. Um, I just don't think Texas A&M has a lot of talent, Chris. I just don't see them putting it together this year the way fans necessarily thought they were. I still think that some of that talent is one either still in the high school ranks, part of the recruiting class, 
or they're so young and they you you can't count on you know eleven freshmen on the offensive side of the football. They've got talent, but uh, Jimbo Fisher's got a situation down there at quarterback. He's got to figure out because, like you said, the SEC waits for no man, and so it will be it, the the gauntlet that will be. I, I see the Hogs going in there and pulling off a uh, pulling off pulling out a win. Yeah, there's no mercy in the SEC. There's just no mercy. Unless you're Lane Kiffin playing Georgia Tech, and then you have a little, you know, a little compassion. That is true. That is uh, true. A little, a little mercy. Uh, one other game, and I'm a Vanderbilt guy. I, and I'm a Vanderbilt guy because everybody just disses on Vanderbilt. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like my, Vanderbilt is kind of like the Pluto of the uh, solar system. You know, Pluto <laughs> got voted off the planet and said, you're not a planet or out of the solar system. You're not a planet anymore. Vanderbilt's three and one is what I'm talking about. And they're going to go in and take on Alabama this coming Saturday. That's the reward. That's, a, <laughs> you know, I hope, I hope Vanderbilt kind of halfway keeps it close. You know, <laughs> Alabama's yeah. tough though. Alabama's, uh, you know, you look at that roster or say had their, you know, it, it was kind of an interesting game against Texas, but man, Alabama, you stack Alabama and Georgia in there. They truly are the elites of uh, the SEC as far as their roster is mm-hmm. concerned. Uh, do you think Vanderbilt can keep it within three touchdowns? Would that you know, be a victory? I think that'd be a victory. I really and I'm really on the bandwagon. A lot of people laughed when uh, Clark Lee said, "We want to make this the best program in the country." But first off, what's he supposed to say? I mean, yeah. he's he's not supposed yeah. to say we would we would just want to be status quo. Um, a lot of people aren't paying a lot of attention to Vanderbilt. Uh, you know. The fact that they went on the road to Northern Illinois, which was probably a lot more common opponent. Northern Illinois plays at Kentucky this week, but they get they went down early, Chris, and yeah. then they fought back. And I just don't think that's something we've seen out of Vanderbilt. Like it's just not a program that necessarily does something like that. And in their home game where they lost to Wake Forest, who got Sam Hartman back, great talented quarterback in the ACC. Um, they packed out that stadium, and I don't think that's been done in a while. Yeah. So to be three and one, you know, when you look at their SEC slate, it's obviously is what it is. They're facing Alabama. You know, I could see them. I could see them. They well, they welcome Missouri to Nashville. Yeah. Missouri's not, you know, necessarily a formidable opponent right now. That's a game you could win if they could get to four and and beat somebody they're not supposed to. You know, I think they could beat oh, Missouri if they. I feel like this is a team that's going to beat someone this year. They're not supposed to. Now, Chris, I don't think it's Alabama or Georgia, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's going to be someone maybe in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone they just don't necessarily have any business beating. Um, but I really do like the Moxie. They got a Georgia kid playing quarterback who took over AJ Swan from up in Canton, Georgia. He yeah. won SEC Freshman of the Week. So you know, hey, let's let's see what happens. You go Commodores, yes, sir. Now uh, you do uh, two forty seven sports for Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Hey, who does Tech have this week? Tech is on the road in the bounce house. In Orlando against okay. UCF. UCF, Gus Malzahn. Okay, Gus Malzahn. They so, are twenty-point underdogs. Is that reasonable? Should they be twenty-point underdogs? I mean, I know they had uh, just an awful time. They've had an awful time. Is yeah. that reasonable? I think it is, and that's sad. Yeah. I really do think it is. Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but I, I do. I've seen some comments uh, over on the crowded booth. We have uh, since I cover, we have a sh- kind of a a playlist dedicated just to Georgia Tech uh, that we'll do a Georgia Tech show on it. And we've had some Georgia fans comment and it's for Tech fans, they hate it, but it it really does show the true colors of where Tech is, is that like Georgia fans, like y'all deserve better. Like this is like, this is not fun anymore. Like that game and I'll be in, uh, in Athens for that game. 
um, in November. It's really sad how far that rivalry has fallen uh, because that is, and look, if you've been a Georgia fan for any amount of time, that's really and truly a a great rivalry game. A lot of history, um, but they are in a, you know, this is a situation where Jeff Collins is, uh, I hate to say it like this, but you know, uh, the the movie uh i can't remember what it's called but it's the the saying goes uh dead man walking yeah. um it's yeah. it's one of those things where at any moment you know they go to ucf then they go to pit oh, uh, yeah. and so it's just i don't i don't know i don't know how much longer it is but uh you know for georgia fans to come and say and it, even in a classy way like you guys deserve better like we we want to see you do better because we want that game to mean something at the end yeah. of the year so hey, you know i i grew up bobby dodd you know wally mm-hmm. buds uh, I, I grew up in that area, Vince Dooley, and then all of those, uh, you know, the great uh, uh, rivalry games uh, when Georgia Tech and sometimes had Georgia's number. And, uh, you know, I, I remember those games, and I, I, I do. I want that rivalry to come back. You know, there's mm-hmm. been some scuttlebutt about, well, it needs to be discontinued. No, Georgia, Georgia Tech needs to always play, and hopefully yeah. Georgia Tech can pick it up. Well, Bryce Kuhn has been with us on our program today. Bryce, it's always good to talk uh, to you, my man. And a newlywed man, so you know, keep keep the household going, and uh, make sure you do everything. Wash the dishes, you know, there wash you go. the dishes, and you'll 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 get some brownie points. But it's been good to have you with us on our program, Bryce, and we look forward to having you again very soon. Okay, appreciate it, Chris. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, man.